It seemed like a good idea at the time. Three days in ultimate seclusion. The flakes that started to fall on your way were hardly worth notice. But now the polar vortex is locked over Canada and, as the drifts creep up to the windows, you feel foolish being miles and miles from any neighbor or route plowed by a road commission. The generator ran out of gas yesterday. But there's plenty of lamp oil and wood for the stove. Surprisingly, your call for help was met with something like joy. An acquaintance has a snowmobile with enough gas for a one-way trip. They're bringing people, food, supplies, beverages, and, if they heard your plea as the last milliamp slipped from your phone, games. That's right, soon you'll be gamers stuck in Snowmageddon. Gamers Stuck in Snowmageddon is a discussion with Northwest Michigan residents about life, the pursuit of happiness, and the four tabletop games they like to get stuck with in a fictitious snowpocalypse. I'm your host, Jim Moratsky, and today we're joined by Bastian Leguin. Bastian, welcome to Snowmageddon. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, it's great to have you here, that's for sure. So, uh, first question as usual is, how difficult was it for you to pick the four games that you chose? And uh, what criteria did you use? Wow, so it was really a tough choice for me. I have a kind of a good collection in my place. I have probably around 150 games. Um, My criteria was to not pick my ultimate favorite board game because they kind of all look the same. So I was thinking, okay, if I'm stuck for two, three weeks in the snow, what what would be the four games I want to bring? So... My main criteria was four different um, mechanisms and different number of players. So I pick four uh, four games. The first one, which is really like kind of an expert game, it's for four players, two to four players. And the other one goes up to eight players. Well, great. So is this scenario being out stuck in the middle of nowhere in mm-hmm. the snow drift uh something that would apply to you or would you never be out there by yourself definitely uh i like to be like stuck (laughs) i like the idea to be stuck somewhere i think it's it's great because the we lose human relationship more and more and i love to be like surrounded by nature and just enjoy with some friends that sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So your first game is a heavy Euro game that came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. It's dev- designed by Richard Amon and Victor Peter mm-hmm. and published by Mind Clash Games. And this is a Tricurian. Yeah. Why do you hope this is available? That's probably one of my ultimate favorite board games um, because the mechanism, because the, of the theme. Uh, I used to be a magician <laughs> For years and years and years. It was my first hobby. I did that for 16 years. And when this board game came up, I was like, hmm, the theme is pretty interesting. Because at first, I always look at the theme. I think it's a major point for me to be attracted by a theme. And when I look at the mechanism, I was like, wow, that's crazy. You have to create your own tricks and then prepare the show and then play, you know, go into theater and and do you show in front of a public and stuff. So the immersion is amazing to me. And I picked this game for many different reasons as well. It's because it's a two to four players. And in the base game, you have 
already some extension. So I got the Kickstarter edition, but it's on retail and you can get also the, the extension from there. But just if you buy the main, like the regular version on retail, you have some like extension inside, like you have a, a double side board game. So you can have an easy version and you can have like an expert one. And just the easy version is already pretty nice. You can introduce that kind of game for not beginners, but from casual board gamers. So that's really cool. They've, they've reprinted this several times, haven't they? So they redone a Kickstarter like a year ago. And I, pl I pledge on this one too, <laughs> because I missed the first campaign. So I bought my first Tracarian game on retail. Um, and when they launched the Kickstarter, I was like, okay, I love this game, but as much as I love it, the setup like last maybe 30 minutes. It was just a nightmare. So you better be ready to play this game. And then with the Kickstarter, they use like the game trays, you know, company to just set up the game in five minutes. So that's just wonderful to me. <laughs> that changed everything. I haven't played Tricurian, okay. but I've seen it set up in pictures and that, and it, it just looks totally crazy. <laughs> you know, I recently, I'm like one of the uh, shut up and sit down videos. Somebody said, you know, if you had non-gamers looking at some of the things that we put on the table, they think we're crazy and we ought to be arrested. <laughs> um, but who is this game for? Like, what's the type of gamer that would want to play Tricurian? It's kind of a Walker placement game. Um, what I like is because the interaction, you have like interaction on the main board, but you have also your own board. And you have first to walk on your main board and then after you go on the, the one in the, on the table. So, you know, like many games, it can sound crazy or look like pretty hard at first, but the iconography is pretty simple since you explain the game. So you really don't have much to explain if you play the basic version. Once again, the tough version is like, even me, I can have some migraines so sometimes. <laughs> okay, well, I'd like to talk a little bit about beginnings. Um, mm -hmm. So if anyone hasn't really noticed yet, I have a funny accent because Bastian and I were born in very different parts of the planet. Um, so you grew up in France near Paris. Yeah. Um, what were the best parts of being a kid in France? You know, I think it's something that you don't realize as a child, but something that you realize when you leave your country is that I got I've got spoiled by the architecture in Europe, the architecture in France, the architecture in Paris. I think historically it's amazing and something really funny because i worked for more than 11 years in paris i was born and raised in the suburb but i saw the eiffel tower almost my entire life and it's something that you don't realize when you grow up because it was in front of me every day and many times i even didn't look at it and then when you start to travel you realize that the eiffel tower is almost everywhere Everyone has like a picture of the Eiffel Tower. Like you go in a restaurant or whatever, many people put that, I don't know, in the restroom or whatever. It's, it's really funny for me. And I was like, wow, it's really, really big. You know, it's, <laughs> it's yes, it's amazing. You said you grew up in a suburb of Paris, but yeah. what uh, is that sense of history always with you as you travel around the city or, or is it? You know, do, is that something that just kind of goes away until you actually stop and think about it? No, I always loved history. So 
I think that's the beauty in France, but not only in Europe in general. Like it's called the old continent for a reason. And everywhere you go, you always have a part of history. Like for instance, I'm re I really love antiquity. So my favorite city in Europe was Rome. Roma? You said I don't know. <laughs> so Rome is good. Yeah. Rome. So Rome for me is was like stunning because when I saw the Colosseum, I was just thinking like, wow, it's here for more than 2,000 years. When in Paris, it's wonderful, but it's here for maybe four or five centuries, sometimes more, uh, more of course, but like I think everywhere in Europe, you can find like some treasures and that's, that's amazing. So um, how did you get started with, with tabletop gaming? My, I have two brothers and... You know, being boys, it's hard to focus all together and stuff. So my parents get used to, like, bring us around the table on Sunday most of the time. And we were, like, uh, playing Monopoly, Clue, uh, Risk, you know, kind of basic game, if we can say now. You know, the type of game that a board game player don't play much anymore. But using that, I mean, playing this game, I just realized that I love being with my family and share a time like that because it's not like in a way you are not pretty pretty much yourself you you are like you play some you play some strategy you you don't care much if like you betray your brother or whatever you know so that's that's really funny are there no kind of french canonical games like like monopoly or clue like you mean as famous as monopoly you know, Monopoly, I think, is the, unfortunately, if we can say, it's the, the most famous board game ever. Um, as I said, I played this game maybe two years ago for the last time. And as much as I don't love this game, you know, it's the type of game that you set up in two minutes and then you play and you stop whenever you want. Everyone joke about Monopoly, but I think it's kind of a good introduction because it's pure luck. So people, they don't care much. You can talk at the same time you know it's i think it's what a board game is made for is that interaction that's great so maybe this isn't a fair question but i always <laughs> think of france as a food destination yeah. so are, are you a good cook every french person ought to be a good cook right <laughs> so i love to cook i'm not really good at pastry actually i just love to cook uh but the same. I I've never been pretty good at following recipes, so most of the time I I go to the grocery, I buy many different stuff, and then back home I open everything, and I'm like, okay, what can I do tonight? And let's cook, let's try, and yeah, I love I love food. I'm a foodie, to be honest. Is there anything that you miss being able to get there than here? <laughs> yeah, um, the cheese mainly. Uh, in France, we are still able to have like not pasteurized milk so the cheese when it's not pasteurized has such a different taste that doesn't mean you cannot find good cheese in united states far from that i found like wonderful cheese but yes i think the cheese is the main thing and besides that it's just like it's more diverse you know you have more choice on meat on fish like here because united states are so big it's it costs to import stuff so I, I don't blame that. I totally understand that. But of course, when I'm in France, when you go to the farmer market, it's just crazy. You have so much choice that you're like, wow, 
right now you're you're a master hairstylist here in Traverse mm-hmm. City. Um, how did you get started in in that business of helping people looking good? So I was around like 14, 15. I was really wondering what I wanted to do in my life. And I always love to work with my hands. I always love connection with people. And I was looking at documentaries in France and I had two options that uh, I wanted to pick. was like woodmaker or hairstylist because I also love fashion. And I was like, okay, I'm amazed by the woodmakers, but you just talk with your wood, you know, you don't have anyone to talk with. And so it's kind of a wonderful job, but at the same time you feel pretty like lonely, I think. And cutting hair for me is just wonderful. You know, as I said, I'm never here to give bad news or anything. I'm just here to give a nice and beautiful experience and make people more handsome or beautiful. I think it's kind of the best job ever. So when you, when you chose that, I don't know a lot about, the European educational mm-hmm. system, but you, you kind of have to choose a, a, a path relatively early on in, in your life. Right. So was that, was that part of that or did you just decide to that hair was your, your thing at that time and that was your choice or did you have to sort of make it an official decision and then your education followed that? No, it just like, um, I should not say that, but I never loved school. And so I knew pretty early uh, actually my very first day at school so first grade I told my mom mom I don't like school and she told me I'm sorry my son it would be a very long time for you <laughs> so in France you can stop school at 16 which is not really true because uh, I was still at school I was like two days walking uh, three days uh, at uh, my shop and two days at school still so the education is like two years for the first license and then you can add two more years in France if you want to be an owner, to own a shop. Yeah, I, I, I was just happy to find my path, you know, when you know what you want to do. I think it's, it's wonderful. I, I really feel lucky and blessed for that because, yes, knowing that you love what you do and you're happy to wake up every morning, it's, it's great. Okay, so your second game has had many add-ons and variations since it came out in 2016, mm-hmm. but it's considered the best of its type. We'll talk about that. It, uh, it was designed by Paul Denon and published by Renegade Game Studios, and that's called Clank. Yep. Why is that coming along to Snowmageddon? Because the mechanism is like a deck-building game, but with a board game. So what I love with this game is that I introduced this game with like new players, like someone who doesn't know anything about board games, and every time, every time people loved it. Because it's fun, it's kind of, uh, it's not nothing too serious, but at the same time you build, you know, you create kind of an engine because you you pick cards and then your deck get bigger and you have more and more to do. But at the same time you have this pressure of the dragon in the castle who can just crush you. (laughs) So you have really a mix of feeling in this game because you cannot do, you cannot play like randomly. You have to create your own strategy still take care of your opponent because you can go you can take only one artifact i mean at first um so you have to really be careful because when one comes up you have to come back up also otherwise you will get crushed by the the dragon so i just think it's stressful at some part and it's really funny it's a wonderful game if you're stuck in the snow because on top of that you have two sides 
I just talked about the main version. You have two, two sides. So you have the easy one and the hardest one. So if you get bored with the first side, you can just flip the board and play the hard version, which for me, you know, it's, it's nice because I should have picked four games, but with the, these two first, you have so many variation that you can play it for days. <laughs> so like you said, the first player out kind of begins the end of the game. Yeah. Are you somebody in this game that just goes and grabs one thing and bolts back for the uh, entrance or you know, do you go all the way down to the bottom and, and try to get stuff? You know, I just try, I'm, I'm kind of an opportunist in board games. <laughs> I should not say that, but, um, I always take care of my opponent to check what they are doing. And I just like to sneak around. So if I see that everyone is pretty down in the castle, I will go down too. And I will try to grab as much as I can. But if I see that one is just going to rush, I'm going maybe a little further down, but I will come back quickly too. Um, so you moved here from France in 2017. Yeah. Um, what, how was that process of, of emigrating to the U.S. for you? So the process of the visa is kind of, yes, tricky. But if I can give an advice, it's just to stay motivated and keep going. Uh, the process for my first visa uh, took a year. Uh, I have a wonderful lawyer, which is in Houston. Yeah, I know they are just specialized in immigration. So I had to change my sponsor to come here. So that also put more more work into my visa process. But, uh, you know, what I like in a way is that you really feel that when you're here, you're happy, you're proud because you work hard to come here. And I will never blame that. I mean, this country tried to protect the borders, which I respect in a way. Um, after it's really, it's not easy and it costs a lot of money. I think that's the main thing that many of my friends here, they when they realize that it's pretty intense, is that intense, they are like, wow, how can you stand that? And I'm like, I just love this country so much, you know? This country allow me to come and to bring my knowledge, to share this knowledge, and I think that's wonderful, you know? Because in a way, this country believe in me. So I'm really thankful for that. So you had an opportunity to work in, in Texas when you first yep. arrived. Was that, did you, was that all set up ahead of time? And was all that sponsorship something that you had to have in place to get the visa just to come here? So or? yeah, when you are uh, from another country, you have to find an employer, which is called your sponsor. And this sponsor is working with you on your visa because this sponsor has to say to the immigration, hey, we need him for that, that, that. And then my visa is based on that. It's like, I have kind of a mission and I have two years to fulfill this mission. Um, here in Traverse City now, uh, what, what's a typical day for you at work? What, uh, what kind of things do you have to do? At work, I'm, I'm just here to provide the best experience ever. If I can may, if I if I can say sorry, uh, yes, it's to to give the best experience to my customer, um, give them advice and just yeah have them relax. You know, when you go to the to the barber or the stylist, you just want to sit, have a good cut. But I think it's not only a cut. It's for me. It's more an experience. It's like having a consultation. I mean, 
you're a guy, so you probably don't care much about this part. But and I also have no <laughs> hair, so <laughs> no one can see that. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> now, but uh, you know, I think it's really important. I think it's what people miss the most is that it's the recommendation. You know, it's like when you go in a restaurant, you like when the the waiter or the waitress they recommend you the wine to pair with your plate. I, I really love that. And I think my job is kind of the same. If you come and you just ask me to have a certain cut and I s just say yes, I think it's sad. I think I have to explain the way I'm going to do it, why I'm going to put this change. It's m mainly to fit with the person I have in front of me. As I said, my, my customers are my mother. I don't care much about the picture because the pictures is always like filters and a picture is, is, doesn't move, you know? So it's easy to to cheat on a picture. You cannot cheat on a customer. How many customers do you have in a day though? How, 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 long, how long does it take to, to give that sort of attention to someone? So I can do probably up to eight to 10 clients a day. Um, I take my time here. That's my main goal is to be able to take care of everyone the same way. Like you arrive at nine, noon or three in the afternoon, you will always have the same service from me. That's really important. So staying consistent is the hardest part in our industry. And if you just like walk, 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 and like you do like 15 people a day, I think you have a, a lack of precision at, at a certain time. So my main goal is to take the time and just take care of everyone. So a haircut with me will, will take probably around an hour. So I'm really going to change tack here, but uh, you not only are into board games, but another game that you like is American football. Oh, yeah. Um, why, why, <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Uh, that, that, that seems for a European, that seems surprising. So I know, but, uh, you know, I just feel like many, many things bring me in this country because when I was younger, I love rugby. I never been into so soccer, you know, I just think it's boring in France. Soccer is just like a bummer. Um, I love soccer in Great Britain because it's more physical, but that's it. I mean. I love international competition, but besides that, I don't like soccer. So I always love rugby. But rugby, if you play it and you're a hairstylist at the same time, it can be tricky because, you know, rugby, you get like your face got like <laughs> punch and stuff. So it's terrible. And I, I was walking, I always walk like in high end places and you cannot arrive with bruise on your face. So I always like American football, I, I don't know why I always got intrigued by that. When I was younger, I remember I had, I had the Madden on my computer. I had just the demo, so I could play just the Patriots or the Rams. And it was probably early, at the beginning of this century. Yes, I think it was that. I was probably like 12 years old, so it was really funny. And I didn't understand the rules, anything. And then when I wanted to play in a club, I... I've been to subscribe like to subscribe to an American football club close to me. Yes, I know we have clubs in France. And I learn everything there. I learn everything on the field. And what I really love in this sport is because we don't care if you're tall, if you're small, if you're chubby or if you're well shaped. We we will always have a position for you. And I think that's that's what I love in this game, in this sport. It's because everyone can find his place and being respected for that. So that's great. So you actually played in, in Europe? Yes, I played only in France. Okay. So it was funny. It was the second division when I was there. So 
it's nothing to compare with here. I mean, here it's like, it's so huge, you know. My level was way, way, way below what you can find here. I mean, I will never have the pretension to be a great player. And physically, I mean, I I think I'm kind of large and stuff. In France, I have a, I, I was a defensive end, which is in the defensive team. So you're supposed to, to be strong and, you know, have some strengths to be able to move the big babies in front of you. So it was great. But when I arrived here, I just realized my physique fit was with like quarterbacks, <laughs> which I hate quarterbacks. <laughs> okay. So you, but, but it's really just the violence of it that attracts you. Not the violence, but <laughs> no, you know, I'm no, joking. I, oh yeah, I know. But uh, you know, as much as I was a defensive player, in defense too, you have a playbook that you have to learn. <laughs> After, yes, you just follow the order. That's what I love in this game. It's because like, when you're on the field, you're kind of a robot. You just have to follow the order of the game. You know, like if they say like, yes, you have to rush on this one, you rush. You cannot do whatever you want. So it's really precise. It's kind of a chess game. And that's what I love. It's really tactic. So when you play... And after you watch the college football or the NFL, it just I'm just so much into it. So uh, Traverse City prides itself on on its natural beauty, I think. Yeah. Um, do you think that's justified? You're a world traveler. You've been around. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this area? I think it's just amazing. It's wonderful. Um, I drove from Austin, Texas, to Traverse City. Uh, it took three days to come up here on the road. And my first view of Traverse City was the East Bay. Uh, just for the people who don't drive much, from Grand Rapids to Traverse City, you are just in the woods. And I was like, what the heck? I mean, where am I going now? Where am I going to spend the rest of my life? Maybe, you know? So I was like, wow. And then when you arrive in Traverse City, you have this bay which would just open in front of you. And I was like, you know, like in a cartoon, my mouth was like straight, like open. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And after that, I I drove like along the bay. I've been on the Old Mission Peninsula. And my luck is that I arrived in May. It was mid-May uh, in 2019. And the cherry trees started to blossom at this time. And phew, yes, yeah, that was That's that. the best time to show up here. <laughs> that's for sure. It was like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, your third game, uh, if I got the right one, it was published in 2018, uh, designed by, and I should have asked you this ahead of time, by Mark Pakian, and published by Madago. So how do you p pronounce those names, do you know? Madago. Madago. Yeah, you and can say, we say Matago. But Matago, okay. Yeah. And then uh, the designer, have you heard of him before, Mark no. Pakian? He looks like a... a country, uh, if I'm right, person. Mark Pakian, yes, he did one game with Bruno Catala. Okay. He did, um, it was Yamatai from Days of Wonder, if I'm right. Sure. Okay. So anyway, uh, this game is uh, Treasure Island uh, yeah. from 2018. Yeah. Uh, why do you want to bring this along? Because the mechanism in, in this game is just unique. It's something like you've never seen. So it's an asymmetrical game. One is playing like John Silver, and John, John Silver is the bad guy. And he hides a treasure on this island. So you have, the board game is just a map without much uh, iconography and stuff. It's the map with the mountains, the sand. It's like an island. 
And then the other players, they play like kind of the pirates because they locked John Silver, who, who was the captain, the captain, sorry. And they have to find the treasure on this island, on this board game. So they're going to use some clues because John Silver is like into an interrogation, you know, they, they have to, to ask him to reveal some clue. And then by giving them direction, you have to find on the map, like by tracing like lines and stuff, you have to try to, to search for the treasure. So you, you're going to create a circle and say, okay, is the treasure is in this area? And John Silver has to say yes, no, and stuff. So it's really, it's unique. I never saw that before. I was like, you really look for a treasure. It's asymmetrical because it's like four players against one. But at the same time, the fourth player, they don't play together because you have to be the one who finds the treasure. So you have to cooperate to find more and more clues. But then at the same time, it's good if you can retain some information. So that's that's really cool. Or the the atmosphere on the table is is really nice because you use like compass, like you know, like a, I don't know how you call that to 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 mark, you know, straight edge. Yeah, yeah you straight edge and stuff. So that's that's really fun. So uh, if you're playing this, would you rather be Long John Silver or one of the pirates? Actually, both sides are really interesting because each pirate they have like single powers. So the four pirates they have like powers, but they are all different. So it's really interesting. You can play like the five role. You will always have a different experience because for instance, a pirate will look more in tiny, uh, tiny areas. One will move faster. You know, it's like you have like really different abilities, if I can say. Is this a competitive game or cooperative game? That's the thing. It's like, it's semi-cooperative game, if I can say, because... One is the bad guy. So John Silver is on the side. But the, the four, they have to ask loudly to John Silver some stuff, but sometimes they can also like try to find their own like clue, you know? So you have to be the one who find the treasure at the end. So the pirates have to cooperate. So I call that a semi-cooperative game because you have to, if you really don't want to have John Silver winning, winning the game, but at the end, it's like the last last man standing you know <laughs> so i mean i'm sorry the the either the pirates win or long john silver wins. so yeah it's at, at first it's that it's long john win or one of the pirates will win <laughs> okay does that make sense yes <laughs> all right so the the games you've chosen so far seem to me anyway to be very thematic yeah uh, is theme important to you in a game yeah i think it's really important because it helps the immersion you know um, when you play a game and if you want to introduce a game with new players, I, I'm really into that. I always love stories. I always love like movies. So I like to really feel I'm somewhere else. You know, when you read a book, you like to be transported somewhere. And that's exactly the same feeling for me. I, that, that doesn't mean I don't like abstract games, but I need more times on abstract games. For instance, I, I love chess, but chess is pretty abstract. You know, but I love chess because it's really technique. But if I want to have more fun, yes, I will pick a theme. What sort of movies do you like? <laughs> That's a, a tough question. I'm really passionate by movies, so I love pretty much everything. My favorite movie makers, it's uh, Quentin Tarantino. 
which is pretty special. As movie, I mean, he's a special movie maker, but everything he's doing is always different, new, and even if he cross the lines, sometimes it's always for a reason. So yes, he he got really inspired, and I love that. What role do you think games play in society? Do, do, does playing games make any difference? That's a tough question. Um, I think games help people to to interact in a nice way. You know, games like if you like history, games exist from the beginning. People in the past they were like creating games in the street, you know, with rock and stuff. So I really think that games are here to entertain yourself with people. That's the funny thing because the trend now is to have more and more games than you can play solo which many friends laugh at me. They say, you have a board game that you can play solo. What's the point? of? Because the board game is to be with people. And I said, yes, you're right. It's just that sometimes I can like work on my strategy on this one and stuff. But I don't play much solo, to be honest, because I love this interaction. So for me, that's the, that's the main thing. And I think it's really important. What's the difference between board gaming here in the US and in France? <laughs> so I'm surprised in Traverse City because when I was in Austin, I struggled to find board game players because in France, we have what we call the Euro games, which is like worker placement mechanism. When here in the United States, it's more like figurines. It's like what we call Ameritrash. Ameritrash is like big figurines. It's like beautiful board games, actually. It's like when you look at on the table, it's like a piece of art sometimes. You're like, this is a game. <laughs> but it's mainly like you roll dice, 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 and it's pretty random. I don't want to get... <laughs> I don't want to get any trouble by yep, saying yep, that. I understand. <laughs> you're, you're in some some dicey territory here, but go ahead. No, but you know, I mean, I like, ga I, I like games with dice. I, I don't mind. I just like to control a bit the randomness in that. Um, for instance, I had... I pledged on Kickstarter the zombie side. When I received the game at my place, I was like, what is that? I, I had so many boxes, I even didn't know where to put that. And at, at this time, my girlfriend, she was like, what is that? Where are you gonna put that? I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna sold it. I, I, I played one, one time and I was like, it's so many plastic. So yeah, I know the detractor, you know, the one who doesn't like America, they say, yes, it's the kilo plastic games, which I think it's not, good to say that because it's still pretty artistic the figurines are pretty amazing but uh, yeah i'm more into euro games what keeps you coming back to games it's a hobby yeah uh, i really think it's a hobby and uh, i recommend everyone to listen to jim's podcast the introduction one because he says something interesting uh, you said that you have the shelf of shame you know and that's pretty much that because it's a hobby for me uh, i used to buy every year maybe 10 new games and then I have this shelf of shame with game I never played. Because in this hobby, what is nice is to also open the box, you know, and just discover everything. And I just, I just always got back into games because I want to discover all of my game. And the one I really love, I want to play more and more to emphasize my strategy. And the hardest part is to find people who fit with your type of game. And I think I'm kind of lucky in Traverse City because the group of people that I met mainly fit with my taste of board games. So that's really cool. 
great. How, what what criteria do you use to add a new game to your collection? What what would kick you over the edge to back something or purchase something now? New mechanism mainly. After if I have a mechanism that I really like and a new game just gonna emphasize that, I think it's great. It's it's the main thing. I try to have always different mechanism, which mean which you're gonna tell me yes, but worker placement it's always the same. Yes and no because you have like many different ways to to create a worker placement game. So yeah, I wouldn't tell you that. Huh? Okay, sure. <laughs> no, because I heard that before. They, oh, but it's worker placement, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, <laughs> it, it's just a part of a whole that yeah. make, you know fits it in. There's only so many mechanisms that you can create, and yeah. so it's just how you combine them. I think that yeah. makes it work. So. That's great. Okay, your last game was published in 2018 in the U.S. by Blue Orange Games mm -hmm. and was designed by Alexander Nevsky. Yeah. Uh, this is Detective Club. What yeah. do you like about Detective Club? So Detective Club is mainly inspired by Dixit. So in Dixit, the main thing is like everyone play to find the card of the main player. What I love in Detective Club is that you have a conspirator and the conspirator really changed the atmosphere around the table. Like for instance, I'm the main player, I'm gonna the main player, sorry, I'm gonna play one card. And from this card, I'm gonna write a word on a notebook. Let's say we have like six players around the table, I'm the main player, so I will have five notebooks. On this five notebook, I'm gonna write four times the same word. And on one notebook, I'm not gonna write the word. And then I randomly spread them around the table which means everyone will know the word except one person. So since I play my card and I give the word to everyone, the players are gonna play one card. And that's funny because the one who knows the word, they're gonna try to match with my word, but sometimes it doesn't match well. And then the conspirator from that kind of information has to bluff. And that's really funny. After when we did that, I play a second card, which is supposed to really push my word. Like, okay, you play two times a card with fish, so it's probably fish, you know, as an example. And then everyone play a second card. When everyone did that, I say, okay. So one by one, explain me why you picked this card because my word was, and I said the word, like, was fish. And then everyone has to explain why it was fish. So the conspirator at this time has to really create a story in his head to be like pretty convincing. <laughs> so you laugh so much because sometimes it's so obvious and you can see the conspirator like just digging, you know, he's digging and digging and everyone is just crying. So that's for me really like a party game. It's just wonderful and you can play up to eight players so, so that's why it's like four to eight players, and it's always fun. I haven't played Detective Club, mm -hmm. but I have uh, played Mysterium, which oh, yeah. is uh, I love Mysterium. both the same designer. Yeah, uh, and so I'm, I'm wondering, uh, and I'm not exactly sure how to describe this, but it, but both Treasure Island, the game that you chose mm -hmm. earlier, and this one, give players I think a lot of freedom yeah. to decide how it goes, yeah. and so. Um, players have to try to understand how other players would interpret things or think about things or answer mm -hmm. questions. Um, and is that something that you like with a lot of freedom in a game? You can really discover people with that kind of game. And that's why when I pick this fourth game, I pick two that you have to create a strategy and two that allows you, allow you to be 
pretty free. And the danger with that kind of game is like if the crowd or the people around the, the table are really like have a lot of imagination or they have kind of a, how can I say, like a strong energy, it's a blast. But if you have people really shy and stuff, it can be kind of a bummer, to be honest. So you really have to pick the good people to play that kind of freedom game, if you want to say that. After, I just think it's wonderful because you discover really people sometimes. Like, I'm not against bluff. I think it's funny. You can really discover like how some of your friends can pretty pretty much like lie in front of your eyes like no 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 you know and it's like for me that's that's the beauty of that kind of games and i think it's also a great introduction for new players so what do you see next there's 4000 games produced every year what uh, what would you like see f- to see folks come up with that's the thing i like to be surprised so i stay aware every day of the new games coming in after i have to be honest my collection is pretty big right now and not being able to play all of them i got more and more frustrated that's the thing i think the board game industry which is beautiful start to be pretty 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 big and last um october you know in essen in germany which is the biggest board game festival all the journalists were saying the same thing they were saying it's getting so big we don't have even the time to cover half of the show, which is sad. And you miss so many good opportunities. So I think that's the the tricky part. It becomes to be like such a big industry. It's like now if you have the money to put your you game on the front row, this game will succeed. If you're like an indie guy who's going to create a game, even if it's a really nice game, you're really going to struggle because you will be with many, many other guys. So... I think it's it's getting too too crazy to be honest. Um, so I keep on track like the main games. I like some like uh, publisher like uh, Stone Mayers. I, I I like the game he's doing. He's doing only like two games a year, and I don't even buy all his games. I didn't play all his games, but that's the type of guy who try to always be modern, new. So that's nice. But yeah, you cannot follow everything anymore. Okay, so my last formal question mm-hmm. for you is uh, on its way to wherever you were in Snowmageddon, the snowmobile had to cross a river on its way, and as it hit the far bank, three of the games that you've picked <laughs> bounced out onto the river and were washed away. Okay. So as you unpack, which of the four games that you chose do you hope is still in the bag? That's a really tough question because, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> That's it. That's a trap. Um, to be honest, my main thing which w- w- came up was Detective Club just because of the party game. You know, if you're sad, if you want to cry because you lost your games, what will make you happy? It's like all your fellow friends around the table and you're just going to cry about your games that you lost, but at least you're going to laugh about this game. So I'm going to go for this one. Okay. That's great. <laughs> well, Bastian, thanks very much for being here today. It was really a appreciate you talking with us. Thank you so much, Jim. Well, that's it for this episode of Gamers Stuck in Snowmageddon. Thanks again to Bastian for being a good sport. 
Links to the games and other things we discuss can be found on the podcast website, which is gameinsnow.com. This podcast was recorded in the studios of Traverse Area Community Media in Traverse City, which are available to everyone. Find out more at tacm.tv. This nice music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Website hosting is sponsored by Archipelago Creative, LLC, makers of Mackinac Island Treasure Hunt Card and Board Games at MackinawTreasure.com. Look for more episodes of this podcast at anchor.fm slash gameinsnow. And if you have comments about this show or want to suggest or be a guest, please email me at gameinsnow at gmail.com. I'm Jim Moratsky. Thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>